This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, it is Friday, Slops. It's a Friday, Friday, yeah! You know what I mean? And we have an amazing guest on, the very charming and lovely Harvey Guillen is on the show with us today to talk about acting, honey, and musical theater. And he was in, well, he was the understudy for the wizard in the, in the Wicked. Wicked. In Japan. In Japan. Get ready for some sing-songing. And we learn about the starting your acting hustle at six years old. Mama, picking up cans. And I, again, I need to apologize to Baba Monet. I'm so sorry for what I said. I really, I don't believe it. I just, I thought it would be funny to say. Here's the other thing. Yes, of course. Everyone is everyone who does drag is an amazing drag queen. That's well, my stance. That's not true. That's gonna be my stance, except for all the people you send me Instagram stories of. I okay, don't do that. Bye. bye. Forever, dog. When your first choice is a big old bus, you turn around and boom, you end up with us. Our number, that was really delayed. Our number is 213-536-9180. Our email is sloppyseconds.pod at gmail.com. Now on with the show. Are you ready for some sloppy seconds, you stupid little fucks, you nice little fucks, you dirty little fucks, you stupid little fucks? I went outside. I went to a party. I'm Big Dipper and that's Meatball. And welcome <laughs> no, back to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball. I'd like to begin this episode with a <laughs> quick statement of six words. And they are... Tamisha, Aman, it's coming, it's coming for you. For you. Um, so the day that, uh, well, this Tuesday she released a video, and I can't wait to see what it is. I would like to apologize to Bob and Monet. In our last Tuesday episode, I what? did say that a lot of their outfits on their seasons were shitty, and I would like to rescind that statement and say, Do you think they listen to this? No, but I know someone's going to clip it and send it to them, and I know they that don't Bob care. And, They've seen what that, you look like, and I've seen what they look like. And what I was going to say was, <laughs> sorry. Sorry? I said a lot of their outfits were shitty, and I, what I wanted to say was um, just most of them were. Okay, now <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I'm so excited today uh, to have our guest on. Um, this is someone who... I remember the first time I got a DM from you, uh, I was like, wait, what? This person is like on TV all the time. They want to hang out? Like, that's so crazy. And I remember the first it time I met you. It was a very L.A. experience for me. We were at Bullet Bar, a bar Ooh, that... On I a think... diaper night? You went on a diaper night? I don't people? know. Was it a diapy night or was it just a regular <laughs> night? Ah! <laughs> okay. Welcome to your ears, Harvey Guillen. Hey! 
Hi. Hello. Thanks for being <laughs> here. Thanks for having me. So yeah. we, were, we were just talking. You are currently in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm in Toronto say right now. Toronto, right? They don't Toronto. Do that, they don't do that Toronto. second T. Are you living in Toronto now? Because I thought you had just finished uh, what we I, do in the shadows. I did. I just wrapped shadows two nights ago, and uh, I am staying here for another gig that starts this week and for Amazon. So, okay, so let's get blast. into it because, baby, oh, so you <laughs> will be working at an Amazon shipment center. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah you... I'm now. <laughs> I'm delivering packages. Here, here's the deal: if you look at your IMDb page, you have been working for well over a decade constantly. If you want to talk about an actor who is working, you are booked. You are series regular. You jump from show to show. You also bit part on other people's show. Like you just you book and you work and you're constantly on TV. And that is a very amazing thing. But I think what is so wild is like um you like like the COVID numbers are crazy in Canada right now. And you're up there like doing a dream job of like being on television and you're like fully like in an, an insane lockdown right now, like shut in in the yeah. apartment. Like they don't have vaccines for young people yet. We, we just opened the vaccines to 65 and over here because um, I think Canada doesn't like have, you know, big pharma like America does. And um, you know, so they were doing really well with numbers and then yeah. all of a sudden the numbers kind of went through the roof and I have this idea and this theory that like, you know, you can buy, you can buy the vaccines ahead of time. People bought them like a year ago in bulk and stuff, but you know, some countries don't have the luxury of buying that. You know, like there's countries that were like, we can't afford to like hopefully buy a vaccine that works on us. So we're going to buy it when everyone else tries it out. So Canada bought like some, but they didn't buy a lot. And I had this theory that they were like best friends with America. And they're like, like 10 months ago, they're like, America, do you promise to give us some vaccines when you got, of course we will girl. Like we're in this together. Of course. (laughs) And then like, it's like, like cut to like present day Canada's calling America and America's like at the beach. And it's like, Hey, it's Canada. Uh, who? Oh, it's Canada. Hold on. What's up? Hey babe, what's up? And it's like, remember those vaccines you promised us? What? I can't hear you. It's Canada. I just, just... I, can I call you back later, babe? I'll call Fully you back. Okay? And literally hangs and up. It just hangs up and it's like, and just anyway, hangs up on... another yeah. mimosa. Hey, and then like, Hey Russia, wait for me. Girl, wait do you i mean because so many things shoot up in canada do you feel like toronto is like a second home to you well yeah i feel like you know i did the math and i was right before i shot shadows in january we started in january in quarantine you have to quarantine 14 days i was in uh vancouver for the fall and early winter shooting zoe's and i had to quarantine there for 14 days so i only came back to la for two weeks for christmas must be Uh, and then well, yeah, not and then, people, because they're on lockdown, girl. They're on <laughs> lockdown. Must, I mean, the working so, is nice. The working is great. Knock on wood. It's like, a, you know, it's always like great to get work as an actor. And, and to do that is, you know, a blessing. But like, also, you can't see your family. You know, they can't come visit you. They won't allow right. your spouses to visit you. You're, no one can visit you. So you're in an apartment uh, or a house wherever you're living. And you quarantine for 14 days. And then after that, you go straight home to work and you get tested every day through the nose. They, you can't get to set unless the results from the previous test come in and they say that you're negative. So every other day you're, you got to poking your nose and like, uh, just to make the show, you know, and to make, you know, what we, what we love doing. I think that the, I'm not a first responder, but the only way I can contribute is like through entertainment. Every time there's like a big crisis in, in the world, not just in America, we always turn to entertainment. We always turn for an escape every time. It's Music. so true. 
Okay, but you so you alluded to this before, but you did the very like theater person set thing of like abbreviated the show. So we're talking about what we do in the shadows, shadows on, FX. on FX. We're talking about Zoe's extraordinary playlist, which is on <laughs> NBC. NBC. Yes, yeah. and um, well, the, the so Thunderbirds. Well, the Thunderbirds is over, <laughs> but that was on Disney Channel, right? No, that was Nickelodeon. Oh, Nickelodeon! But did you also do stuff on Disney Channel? I've done stuff on Disney Channel, yeah. Um, Name I've a done... network you haven't been on. That's what actually the better CBS? question should be. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. But I well, bet you you're to... friends with Andy Cohen. <laughs> yeah, have you I, met Andy? I, I've only met Andy once when we're doing well, an interview in an elevator. Us. More than us. No, 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 met... listen. I, was saying, I met him in an elevator, and it was like the day after his announcement that he had a baby, and it was 5.30 in the morning. He was going to do his radio show, and we were there for a radio show, too. We're in this elevator in New York City. And he steps into the elevator and he looks exhausted. He's just like, and I look over him like, congratulations on the baby. He's like, thank you. <laughs> he just looks like. <laughs> and that's the only time I met him. We're not best friends. We're not even acquaintances. I just met him in an elevator. So. Okay. I, I have a question. Speaking of like radio show and interviews, because I saw that you did the late night show with Seth Meyers, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Do they still do the thing because it's over Zoom now? Do you still have to do those like weird pre-interviews where you basically go over the whole story and everything you're going to talk about in the interview? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty normal. Even if you did it in person, they call you ahead of time because they want to see what you want to promote and talk about Uh. and things that are going to be talked about on spot. I was just thinking about that because I was watching this interview where Lindsay Lohan did uh, David Letterman, I think it was. Oh, he got her. Yeah, got her. But then that's what she said. This wasn't in the (laughs) pre-interview. Like She said it out loud and she's all looking around, looking at her publicist. Like, this wasn't in the pre-interview. Because when they pre-interviewed her, they they probably didn't mention any of the stuff he was going to do. And then she goes live on the air and they go gotcha and they say treat people so crazy and and, you know that might happen but i mean for me it was like tell us about like your life story i talked about my mom and they're like we like that we're gonna talk about that and i was like sure okay sure do you ever get the instinct to throw them for a loop because i would just start talking about dicks and butts and they wouldn't have you back people I just want to see if That's... the producers be like, stop, please stop, please stop. <laughs> well, I don't even know that they would like record it or they probably, it's not live live. So like yeah. they pre-record it. So they probably didn't like what you said. Your segment would be like, please welcome Meatball. Thanks for joining us. And then they would just <laughs> cut away. <laughs> well, okay. So this is interesting. You've, you've been in the game for a while. You, um, I, I remember this show, do, Meatball. Do you remember the show Huge on ABC Family with your, uh, your icon, Nikki Blonsky. We both. No. It was, it was a show after, about like, yeah. Fat Camp? Yeah, it was ABC oh. Family before before it became Freeform. We right. were at the last show. So we were ABC Family, and it was a family-friendly show. It was based on the Sasha Paley book. Uh, Winnie Holzman, who wrote the script to Wicked, the musical, uh, uh, wrote it. And uh, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, and then wrote it with her daughter, Savannah Dooley. Uh, and they wrote this great show about kids at weight loss camp. And it was really great. And it had heart. It was ahead of its time. Like if that show came out now, it'd be like a hit. But it right. is now, yeah, it came out when it was like, we were the opener to Pretty Little Liars. So it was like fat camp. And then like sexy young teen girls who murdered their Who friend. fucked their teachers. Uh, and so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we weren't right for the vibe. And that's actually... I mean, like, this is a T. The reason they probably changed uh, ABC Family to Freeforms because the shows weren't family friendly. Like, they were like, ABC Family is not like a show you want to yeah. call Pretty Little Liar. So people right. were writing letters 
and saying stuff like, um, I was watching this show with my family <laughs> on ABC family, Pretty Little Liars. Like, but it was also like a really great hit because people love Pretty Little Liars. And so they changed it, I think, to accommodate to like, we have hits on our hands, but we can't call it family ABC friendly. family. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it just makes me think about like, what e- even the shape, like, like what the industry was like a decade ago like being a queer person being a fat person just and and social media who's fat who's fat who's Who fat on this call fat? uh i didn't i'm sorry I feel attacked. <laughs> you're like this wasn't meeting. in the pre-interview <laughs> this wasn't this in the pre-interview <laughs> <laughs> but, but even 10 years ago right like social media and like whatever it's now it's like if you check the boxes of your like you're like I'm a queer person. I'm a fat person. I have a social media. Person. It's like that starts to speak like money to these bigger entities where they didn't back in the day. That entire show, the idea of like a show called Huge, is like uh, fingers crossed. We're banking on the otherness, and hopefully people will do us the favor of watching it. And it's like now it's like Lizzo. I think has a show coming out with Amazon that's like the search for the next really dope, pretty fat dancer, like yes. Big Girl Squad oh, or whatever. Nice. Yeah, and it, you're right. Like 10 years ago, that wasn't the norm. I remember all the things that, like you said, like, you know, being like brown, round, and proud were all okay, strikes brown, against round me. And proud. You know, and so there were all strikes against me. I was told that by like like teachers at school. They were like, so are you going to lose the weight? And I was like, what's wrong with what, what the size that I am? Oh, well, it's just like you're right on the cusp of you could be a leading man or you're going to be like a comic relief and you'll always be like the second hand. Like it was like, whoa, like the idea was so like foreign to me because I was like, why can't it be? both like why can't you have a big person be a lead in a show and they're like that's just not the way we're looking out for you this hollywood is the way that it's it's been forever and i was like well you got you need to change that you need to fucking change it you know and so 10 years ago i did go for auditions where like people would be so lazy they wouldn't give a character a name it'd be like fat guy number two Uh, and i was like this character doesn't have a name and it's like he has like several lines it's it was laziness because writers saw you know characters that were plus size as one note and they're like yeah and the fat guy comes in as opposed to like now they're more clever and they're like might have a couple of pounds on him charismatic uh could be boy next door but also you know (laughs) you know they're putting these they're putting these writers to work now because they used to be like that guy you know that was the only way to describe it (laughs) why do they spell it with extra like you 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 get in there porky we're gonna have fun today oh my god yeah but then i learned you know that like all the, the the strikes against me were all the things that made me who I am so they were all you know my strengths so no one's no one's coming in that door like I am no one's looking like I am no one's talking like I am so I am that brand this is what I'm selling you like this cup of tea and if you don't someone else down you know the street will drink it exactly. up so what? you were talking about being in school like did you go to college for acting? Yeah, I went. Uh, so I got a. I was going to be a Shakespearean actor. Ooh, <laughs> so, I know, real thespian. You know, I said thespian. Um, and <laughs> where I got to Southern Utah University, and they gave me the scholarship, and I just didn't like it. I didn't. I got there, and I did it like the 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 preview week, and I went for the preview week, and I was like, I'm not vibing. I stood out like a sore thumb. Everyone there was, they were lovely, but they were all from the nearby town. They were yeah, all right. Mormon. They were all Caucasian. <gasps> Southern and, Utah and so, University, <laughs> in Cedar City, and I literally. 
they were so lovely, but I just felt like I was a walking attraction. Like I was just like this weird, like, you know, Latinx, like big kid who was openly queer. And they were like, they wow, diversity. well, good, good for you. You know, and it was that idea was like, <laughs> oh, I felt a little bit like weird. Um, so I left and I went back to L.A., and I just wanted to get like, you know, my general stuff out of the way. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to my, to my friend's college in Citrus. And uh, it was a community college. And they had this really great theater program that I looked up and I was like, okay, I'm going to take classes with like, the best theater teacher there. And they wouldn't let me take the theater class because it was reserved for a choir called the Citrus Singers. Now, these were like hoity-toity, like upscale, like choir that travel around the world. They have to audition to get in. It was like American Idol, but for college kids. And I was just ah. like, well, I want to just take that one acting class. And like, well, we can't because you have to join join sister singers and I was like well then I'll fucking join it and they're ah! like <laughs> and they're like we already had auditions and we have all the boys we need and I was like well then why'd you bring it up and then uh so I was so angry song right there? I know I kind of because I went to see the dean and the dean was uh, of the, for citrus college uh or for sister singer sorry and he was like well we already got all the guys it was Ben Bollinger who was a big opera singer in the 50s and he started the program and I was like well I need to join this class and they're like you already got all the boys sorry bud you could try next year I was like I'm not trying next year if I don't get in this year I'm not gonna come back next year and he's like oh hold on hold on and he played the piano and he's all like well all right you're a first tenor tell Ellie you start Monday so I was like yes I'm in and yes. I went to the I went to the front and I was like, I'm starting the class that I wanted. So the acting class and then the stupid choir thing. And they're like, oh no, you're such a singer now. Here's your new schedule. And I was like, there's 56 units in this. And the average college student takes about like 28 to 32 units a semester. I had 56. And I was like, whoa, there's a mistake. I, a choir class and a drama class. That's all I need. No, as a citrus singer, you take tap, jazz, ballet, private lessons, musical theater history, everything. And it was a conservatory. So I got thrown into classes from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday. And, and I all got, you wanted to do was take and all one. I wanted, to do, one. One. <laughs> I wanted to do make believe. I just want to make friends. believe, mama. Um, and so I was like, That's you know crazy. What? forget it. I'll do it. I can't, you know, and also yeah. I was on full scholarship. I was like, I'm not paying for this. So I was like, okay. And so I did it. And I, I thought it was the best thing I could have ever done. Cause it really does teach you one thing. It's discipline. It's like, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you know, you're hired. And if you're late, you're fired. Mm -hmm. And like the idea was that like that momentum of like, you know, this is how it's going to be in the real world. And then when you're done, they throw you out and they don't tell you how to get an agent or a manager or anything. Yep. So after you do your years and also there was this like, you know, hierarchy, like you couldn't get a lead if you're a freshman, which I thought was so stupid because in the real world, no one cares if you're 19 or 29, if you're the best person for the role. Right. Or if you went to acting school, they don't care. They really school. don't care. They really don't <laughs> care. They really don't. And I literally remember. Uh, being a freshman and auditioning against a, a third year and I was like I got this in the bag I mean I was to my own horn but I had training since I was like you know in elementary I took you know musical theater class and all that so I was oh. like I got this in the bag and then I didn't get it like when we were doing the Christmas show and the, and they, the cast list went up and it was like the one part I wanted was like Jack Frost which had like two numbers and like all this great it went to this guy who was a third year and I looked down the cast list like well, where am I playing it says oh, I play Cupid oh my god like the lovable you know like mm -hmm. he must have some songs like no cupid like the reindeer uh, <laughs> i i immediately was like you know yes, a sweet little and dancer, dancer and prancer and, and vixen not even in the top four right there comet <laughs> and oh there, there he is. you go you come in seventh cupid and Wait, you know what is so funny that just triggered me because i don't i don't i didn't know their names i forgot that they had them. <laughs> song about them people you know what is so funny is that you literally are on tv 
for like so many years now and you still remember the minutia of the feeling like like i think that all sticks with us like i remember shit from children's theater that i did when i was like nine or ten years old didn't you freeze up didn't you freeze up and leave me yeah no the story goes (laughs) i was meant to be the lion in the wizard of oz and i basically had what i would now consider a panic attack before our like final dress rehearsal at eight years old and my mother was like i was sitting in the costume crying hyperventilating she was like well let's leave i was like what she was like this doesn't matter. It is a community theater production of uh, The Wizard of good Oz. For your and, mom. You, and I was like, no. You want to leave? No, I have a response. No, but it was, absolutely no. not. If my child no. freezes up, I said, you wanted to be here, you're going to do it, you little <laughs> no. fag. No, Nicole, good for you're your just mom. being contrarian because you would be that bitch who's like, let's go get Froyo. But, <laughs> but I think, and I agree. Good well, for my mom. I didn't know you got Froyo. <laughs> no one said anything about Froyo. <laughs> By saying by saying out loud, this doesn't matter. We can completely leave. It really it was like you know on a pressure cooker when you do the release valve and all the steam. She just made it like completely unimportant, and I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, cool. Now I'll just have fun. So then I stayed and actually did it. So it was reverse psychology. You should do reverse psychology. That's right. No, my mom would have been like, pick your little ass up, faggot. You're gonna dance, (laughs) sing, and you're gonna like it. Well, let's talk more about Nikki's good parenting when we get back after this break. She ruined me. Goodbye. Goodbye. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto also there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long when my fridge is stocked with factor meals i'm like oh baby i don't have to think about this Mm -hmm. like it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm-hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of ma- pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this so, is yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff 
Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle. And we're celebrating Earth Day all month long with Factor. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. And now we're back from the break. And um, earlier we made mention of a little musical called Wicked. And I was wondering, have you, do you know Wicked? Do I know Wicked? Do you know Wicked? Oh, absolutely know Wicked. I had to understudy the wizard in Japan uh, for what? Wicked. Girl. Here's a t- okay, ready? Are you ready? Give this, it to this, me. This, this, we want to hear. So fresh out of, out of college, actually, uh-huh. after I finished Citrus, and I was going to continue my education. I was like, I'm going to go to AMDA. And then I went to AMDA, and it was the same things I learned at Citrus, but for a lot more expensive bill. And I was like, I'm not paying for this. So I did like one semester, and they tell you, don't audition while you're here because you're not ready. And I was like, what if you're ready? Wouldn't you book it? So I auditioned while I was there because they told me not to. And I booked um, Universal Studios Japan in Osaka, Japan which is a theme park that does musicals and they have the rights to wicked sesame street blues brothers so anyways i auditioned Wait, got what's the part. sesame street the musical it's like a kid's show it's a variety show where like all the uh, in japan it's where uh, the americans meet the japanese and become friends and like it's like two representatives from each like yeah it's great who um, were you but- in that so I was the American. I was the teenage boy. I was literally playing 13 um, because that was their age, whatever. But we're obviously not 13, but we look pretty young. So I went from playing 13 to, in that role to playing John Belushi in Blues Brothers in like 32 uh, ah! to playing the wizard understudy with a white wig with wrinkle makeup, like a 59-year-old or something. It was just like the trajectory of a one contract season at Universal. <laughs> oh I like had the range, you know? I had the range. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so to this day, when I hear wicked music, like I had to sing the wizard song. I can't not not sing it in Japanese. So like I literally had Bring to do it, the baby. show. We got to hear it. We got to hear it. Okay, ready? Here we go. <clears throat> C flat, please. <laughs> <laughs> I am a sentimental man. Kokoro yasashi hotoko sa. Takara hitsu mo chibu no best to shukushitai to omogu. So alfaba omae no chikara do. So date de kata kutobita ta setahi mihi naito bu chansu. For I am a sentimental man. Oh my god. Wait, okay. Did you learn Japanese or did you just learn all the songs? So I didn't, I knew it was moving to Japan, but in my stupid, you know, young adolescent self, I was like, well, it's an American show, so it's going to be in English. And I got them like, here's your script. And I was like, oh, sorry, I got the directors. This is in Japanese. Uh, Hi, Dozo, like, go ahead. We're going to, we open in two weeks. uh, What? And so you have, so this is how I was like, be professional, Harvey, pull your big boy pants up. Like, this is what's what it takes in the real world. So I was like, oh my God, freaking out. Like I had two weeks to learn all my lines and also phonetically learning them uh, was fine. And the music was fine because connect to a note, but also not knowing what you're saying. Cause I would be written out for you. But I was like, okay, so I say Sesame Street, no, no, 
Coco Wakinita, what, what am I saying? And they were like, well, it's like saying like everyone have good time, joy for a good everyone. <laughs> yeah, joy for a good everyone. So you and had I was no like, idea Whoa. what the inflection was. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know where, I knew what they were like, where like it's a good time, we're having a good time, but I didn't know where to put the inflection and where it was like, you know, so uh, as great as the translation was, because it was, some of it was just literal translated, but it was like, whoa, this is a little bit out of order. Like I would have to probably flip it around like this if I were to try. It was a little chaotic, but it, the people were lovely and so patient with me. <laughs> they were just like, you got, you got it, you'll get it. And I did. And it was all because of the people from Japan. Like they're the nicest people I've ever like met in the world, like from any country I visited. It's like the patience was remarkable. So I learned it. I learned it all like sounding out phonetically and, and reading it out loud and knowing what I'm saying and how to attach it. It was fine. And it wasn't like we we're doing Shakespeare. It was like musicals, you know, so that would have been a whole different story, but yeah. <laughs> it's so wild to think about like being able to throw yourself into so many b- different projects, like, you know, like back to back to back and doing all of these different TV shows. Like, are you able to really be in the moment? Like with the, or, or I guess, I guess, Mike, I'm trying to figure out what my question is. My question is, when you're doing theater, you like build it up and then you do it night after night after night. But when you're filming a TV show, you sort of like rehearse it and you get it. But like you might only do like, well, I guess you probably do more than three or four takes of something. But then it disappears and you're done. Yeah. Do you feel like you're able to like give, do you give the same amount of commitment in both those spaces? Absolutely. I always say I would uh, never put anything out that I uh, with 150% behind it, even if it was a 99 seater or for millions and millions of views, like, it doesn't make a difference to me because my name's going to be attached to it. So even if I in the past, you know, because sometimes you got to pay the bills. So you take on that, like, you know, horror film or whatever film that you were like, Oh, it's like, but you know what, if you look at that film, you're never going to say Harvey was bad in it, you might say the concept wasn't great, or you might say no overall, but you say, but you know who was good in that? that person. And that's my goal is that it doesn't matter what project I do. The goal is that what I put in that project is always my best. And so if the project itself falls apart, my performance didn't. And so that's my goal always. Every You're time. Like, I held that project <laughs> up with my performance. I ran into that uh, mini mall with a chainsaw and that was the moment. But it's I hard mean. sometimes to, you know, because it's different in stage. You you know what the storyline is going from A, B, and C, like all the way through. When you shoot in TV and film, you sometimes cross shoot, which means that we shoot out of order. And so you don't start the movie in the beginning and end with the end. You might, the first thing you shot might have been the ending, you know? So you have to like, ooh, so remember where you're at mentally and how you got here and how you would feel. But but remember this, you know, so when we do our show, we cross shoot a lot. So that means in one day we shoot episode 301, which is the first episode of the season and also 306 and also 309 in one day. Because of so, the location. That's or the location of uh, the guest stars that we need to get on that day because they, we only have a day with them. Uh, and so sometimes you're all over the place. Your your attitude changes because it starts off like where Guillermo's trajectory was like for the beginning of the season where we left right. off and now where we're ending with it. So sometimes it's a little like schizo, you know, because sometimes you're like doing and you're like so submissive and like the first scene, they're like, oh, now we're four episodes ahead. He's gotten a little more ballsy. He's like a little more rough around the edges or whatever the choice might be for that episode. And who oh, is... That is so insane. But but so for like a three camera setup show, they write it as it's going along, don't they? 
Well, for three cam, when I was like for Thundermans, it's like the I Love Lucy show. It's live yeah. studio audience, which I love because it's the closest thing to theater. Like yeah. when you do three cam and live audience, you hear the instant rapport. When a joke is funny, you'll hear it. And if it's mm. not, there's nothing there. So you're like moving on. Mm-hmm. And so the jokes land right there with film and with television that doesn't have live cam, you know, uh, three cam, you don't know until the product comes out and it's at the mercy of the editor's, the editor's. hands. So like, you might look back and be like, oh, I hope they picked that. They didn't, they didn't pick the, oh, they didn't pick the fucking scene that I want. And then people are like, well, what was up with that scene? I was like, yeah, I, no, I don't control the editing. <laughs> <laughs> who's, I guess my job is like when you're, cro- or my question is when you're cross shooting, who? Do you like? Is it is it an executive producer or a showrunner or like the the episode directors who really help you place yourself in the full season arc, or is that really your job? It's like, do you, know, you read the whole season before you guys start? No, sometimes. So this they we've just gone to the point where even when you're part of a team, they're so secretive. It's like telling like, it's like your family keeping a secret from you and you're upstairs and you come downstairs and I was like, hey, how's it going? I was like, hey, what were you guys talking about? And it's like, nothing. Yeah. And it's like, were you guys talking about me behind your back? And it's like, no, stop. You're so paranoid. Um, How do you feel about jumping out of windows? What? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, just in case, how do you feel about jumping out of windows? Like, you said, how do you stuff. feel about hiring a stunt double? <laughs> <laughs> so for the first year, I felt like, like, you know, I would like, especially for Guillermo, because he's the only human in the show. So he actually has to go through emotions. The vampires only think about lust and blood and that's it. You know, like their, their goals are pretty simple. Like it's like having a good time because they're immortal. They live forever. So they don't worry about people's feelings. They don't worry about uh, dying because a li- aside from getting a stake through the heart, you're not going to die. You're going to live forever, but a human does. And so like my like fear and Guillermo is always that any minute he could die by the hands of these vampires or by accidental taking care of them, whatever. The first season, they didn't tell me anything. Like they kept it such a secret till the very end of, we were shooting the last episode and that's when they told me and we got the script pretty much for the last episode, the week of. And I was like, whoa, he's a Van Helsing? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And they're like, yeah, so what's gonna happen next season? We can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how dare they? And they don't tell me anything until we, and even this season, we were like, can we please, we're in the same team. Like, I don't want to come downstairs, you know, and find out that, you know, something is being talked about. Like, just, just tell us. And like, okay, we will. So they did tell us, but there was almost cryptic. Like some episodes were not finished and not completed. And they're like, who am I going to tell? You think I'm going to go tell like, you know, TMZ what the next story is? Right, like, you know, who right. am I going to tell? I'm trying to make the show better. But they're really like, mm, just to be safe, we can't tell, you can't tell the actors who are going to play the characters and bring the dynamic and trajectory of this character just to be safe so crazy (laughs) just to be safe you guys shoot at night a lot huh we used to shoot at night the first season and we learned our lesson none of us had ever lived in toronto none of us knew that shooting here in the winter is not the best idea um and so we had a lot of outside scenes and we learned and paid the price like we had the vampires flying on wires and it was the windiest day of the year oh my god so those vampires are just intertwining hitting walls uh, the mic was getting like lost in all the wind blowing. So oh there was gosh. a lot of time. That was, we learned our lesson. So it was second season. We build a set. We used to use the exterior of us for the house and it got sold. The the We had three houses for the show. We had the first one in the pilot, which is uh-huh. an actual house in Pasadena that you could actually visit. The second one was a, a, an abandoned pretty much mansion that we rented from the city, but they sold it to make it into, I think it was like a Wilman shelter, which is great. So we couldn't use that location anymore. So we had to build the, the mansion exterior from pictures Whoa. that we've used. Oh my goodness. 
we build it from the floor up and now it's live it's a living piece of art like it's there when we wrap it's still there like they like rent the lot so all year round you could drive by it it's right on the street so you could just pull like is that the hell at least the exterior is that's oh, like wow. the superstore exterior in yeah, yeah. The, you yeah. Like they just like, tore down oh did they yeah yeah they wrapped yeah yeah, so that's that? pretty much, uh, we shoot indoors now. We've learned to do that because our schedule was kind of fucked up. Like, I remember- Vampiric? I'm sharing, <laughs> Vampiric, like, I yeah. guess I, I stay up all night now? My my roommate was uh, Casey Diedrich, who's doing a show here called In the Dark for the CW. Uh-huh. And we became friends because we shot Eye Candy in New York together. So he's like, hey, we should be roommates. I was like, okay. So he got this like amazing house. It was all glass and beautiful. And I was like, this is great. Didn't think it through. So I get home at six in the morning. He'd be going to work. So oh, when I was coming no. home, he'd be leaving. And I was like, time for night. And then the sun would be beaming. There was no blinds because the way the house was designed, uh, it couldn't it couldn't hold blinds up. Sounds it was just rich glass. to me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I couldn't see you. Yeah, well, he picked the house. He picked the house, and I was like, "I'll room with you." Yeah, like, and then we're like, we're sharing the bill, but still sleeping for the first couple of weeks, I was like losing it because I couldn't sleep. I'd go home, and the sun was coming out. I was like. <gasps> just bloodshot eyes. I had been up all night filming. I couldn't sleep during the day and had to go to work in eight hours. And so the first couple of weeks were, were a thing. Yeah. That's so crazy. Well, you had mentioned, I want to go back because you had mentioned that you were doing musical theater when you were like in high school, elementary school, what got you into acting? Because like, you're so deep in it now. What was like your first inspiration? I, this is so funny. I just recently, uh, talked about this. I, I I fell in love with acting when I was watching Annie when I was six years old. Um, and you said, someone better get me a red wig. <laughs> you said, yeah, the sun like, will come out tomorrow. <laughs> but I was watching the show and, um, you know, it came from, at that time, single parent, immigrant, um, hardworking. She was working like three jobs just to keep, you know, the roof over her head. And I remember watching that show and I never saw anyone who I, I could identify with because there wasn't chubby, like brown kids on TV. And if they were, they were like the butt of the joke, you know? So the only thing I saw was like these poor kids. And I was like, we're poor. And I was like, they're singing and dancing on television. I couldn't put it together. I was like, mom, I want to do that. I was like, mom, I want to be like them. I want to be an orphan. Oh no, your poor and mom. She looked at me weird. She was like, ¿Qué estás loco? And I was like, are you crazy? And I was like, no, I want to be an orphan like them. It's like, oh no, son actores, they're actors. I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. And she goes, no, es para niños ricos. That's for rich kids. And I was like, oh, you, I was wow. like you have to be rich to play poor on television? And she explained to me, he's like, no, what I mean is you have to get training. You have to get like someone, you know, who coach you. They, they have coaching. I'm sure people like teach them how to dance and sing and act. And that costs money. And I was like, well, can I take those classes? Like, no, we don't have money for that. And I was like, I was so defeated. And I could have been like a, a turn, like, you know, a turning point in my life because I was only six, but I was so stubborn as a kid that I was just like, well, if I find the money, can I take classes? And she goes, Mijo, if you can find your own way, you can do whatever you want. <gasps> How and inspirational. I like, and I was like, then I will. And she's like, okay, pues. And it's like, then you do it. And she told me that. And from that day on, I remember I was like, I'm six years old. How do I fucking make money? I have no like income. There's no such thing as like allowance in like a Mexican household. <laughs> like you don't get an allowance for cleaning your room. That's your job. And if you don't clean the room, you better go get me the chancla, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> it was just like I, the idea that six years old, I was like, how am I going to get money? And I found a fellow thespian at school who was like, they're doing an improv class at the community center. And I'm going to ask my parents. And it was like $12.50. She asked her parents to give her 20. I asked my mom, she gave me a look and she was like, Estás loco? and it's like, we need that money for like the laundromat, whatever. 
And I said, fuck, how am I going to make this money? So I was like walking home from school with her one day. And I said, mom, what is that guy doing? He's like going through the trash and he looked homeless. He's like, oh, vende los botes. He sells the cans. I was like, you make money from trash? She goes, vende los botes. And she's like, I ran into her closet, got a wire hanger and hooked it into a long skinny finger, got a plastic like grocery bag and went through trash cans and collected uh, enough to pay for my first improv class. Holy shit. Wow. Wow. That's incredible so when and people say you, like now you sleep in glass houses now i sleep yeah, in glass yeah, houses rich as hell. <laughs> Wait, no i'm i'm curious about this because you you know you're so established in the industry that i'm sure you've gone to like very fancy parties and award shows and like hollywood type things and who's um, secretly gay <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You know what's a funny false question first. And the, then I'll say the, I love the like you know, and that's that's the job as as you know the artist where like it makes it seem seamless. People are like, oh, you've been doing this for a long time, but no one knows those stories. No one knows about me look, going through trash cans. Yeah. Okay, you know what I mean. And so when people say. I think it's a funny when they always like say, oh, you're so great. And it's like I have I just learned about you this week. You're an overnight success. Overnight, like, bitch. I was you're taking like, bottles out of overnight. I was like, I'm off. sorry. Yeah, it's like so. It's always funny because people will meet you at different states of their lives. You know, right. to someone you're a brand new face, and to someone you're like, oh my god, who is that? They're gonna, they're gonna be big. They're gonna do it. I can trust me. <laughs> trust me. I know they're gonna be. Trust me. I have. I don't know. I have this thing where I can tell. And I was like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you? yeah. And it's like the idea is like your job is to make it look seamless. You know, your job is to entertain and make people escape for a second so like when they think whatever they think if they like the product then you let them like the product and whatever backstory they tell themselves and that's fine because i know my story you know and like they can right. tell whatever story they want and that's fine but to answer your question who's secretly gay yeah, i was like you really curved meatball's question she wants to know who's gay. i was just kidding you don't have to answer no, we but can I guess save that for off the air my thought my question was you have this sort of level of notoriety where you're like on the invite list but you can also like walk out and not be bothered by people which i think is like a really cool thing especially from all of these stories that you've told us like you clearly like to work yeah you know I do. you're not like i want to do some flash in the pan thing to get a million followers and then make as much money as possible and just like do that it's like you want to do it to be an entertainer and to work and i think there's a difference between like you know recognizable faces from entertainment over the years and like celebrity but I'm sure you've been in the room with a lot of wild and crazy people. And I'm curious, maybe even not without naming names, but like Meatball, you know, has been to one or two private events, hired to be a drag queen and seen some wild things from oh, celebrities. Some of the cra- celebrities left to their own devices around a bunch of other celebrities act up. It's insane. Do yeah. you have any like wild stories? I do. I mean, without naming any names, I was filming uh, a movie in Atlanta, Georgia, and the leads of our movie were friends with uh, Nicole Page Brooks from Atlanta, Georgia. And, yeah, yeah, they were friends exactly. with her. Exactly. No, uh, no, and we were invited back after the rap party to come to this uh, musician's uh, house, and we're like, okay, cool, let's go. And we get there, and we're like, oh my god, it's gonna be so fun. And this is the cast, and it's a pretty young cast. You know, uh, the cast was like Dylan O'Brien, like you know. All of us are pretty young and starting off and doing stuff. So we show up to like, we're going to go through the after party. And then we show up to this, uh, this base, like the entrance of the house and it has like a basement entrance. And I was like, oh, there's a basement entrance. So we'll guess we'll go through here. And this guy welcomes us at the door and he's like, this big bouncer guys are like, oh, okay, you guys, this is for you. And he hands us a stack of ones, a thousand dollars in ones. And we're like, <sighs> oh, that's very generous. But it's like, it's full of strippers. And I was like, 
Uh-huh. And then with the doors open and these like two beautiful, just not even stripper because they were fully naked, <laughs> just naked, walked towards us. And I was like, oh my God, the basement is a, a strip. It's turned into uh, someone's at personal that person's house. At that person's house. <gasps> and so it was a strip joint at this person's house. And I was just like, what is hat? And these girls couldn't have been nicer. They were beautiful. And they're just like, the stuff that strippers do in Atlanta is oh, Olympic, it's another Olympic level. level Olympic level. Olympic level. You know what's crazy level. is that you know he gave you that thousand dollars and then you give it to the strippers, but they have to give a cut to the guy again. So it's basically just circulating the money, right? <laughs> I mean, I think you it was don't more... know. You don't I'm know what's going I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what and if I'm he just... charged them to work there? Okay, right. <laughs> I think it was just like it was a, the party favor was like here's the money. So you so everyone was just like making it rain and like at first I was like oh this feels like you know because it's a, is it okay because it's but the strippers were like oh yeah we work for him all the time and it's like oh okay and then it's just like I guess there's a thing I, that was one of the wildest parties. That's uh, so crazy. Uh, I love it. Was that. crazy. It was crazy. And that was just like, and it kept going. Like, you know, that's like the next morning. It's like, who wants to go on the boat? And it's like, I think we go home. Like, it's just like the there was the like, boat is made out of strippers. Boat. It's, it's just like <laughs> Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, we are and back. We're and back. Bef- before we get <laughs> into this, back to Wicked, that did that, that note. It took me <laughs> before we get into our final final segment. This is sort of walking us up to the um. What do they call that? A door? A trap door? No. What do they call it in a castle when the door comes down? Uh, the moat. But bridge? you cross the moat on the bridge, the and then the door. What kind of door is that? It draw has a bridge. Mark. A draw, the draw bridge. bridge. Yeah. The draw bridge. Okay, anyways. Um, Why are we walking up to a draw bridge? I want to know <laughs> about, Meatball alluded to it, but now that we're in the in in the telling telling of tales, secret gay Hollywood parties. Have you Do been to exist? any secret gay Hollywood parties? Um, Do they exist? I haven't been to like a, se- I've been to a party where there was definitely people there who were in the entertainment industry who, are perceived a certain way mm-hmm. and uh that party was a queer party uh and certain people in that in that group um have an image that they couldn't uh not at that moment i'm happy to report that some have since that party come out uh come out but at that moment you're like oh everyone here's pretty much in the queer world except right. whoa and then you put two, two together and then but it's also everyone's uh, journey's different and uh and the idea that you know they should come out now it's like whenever they're ready to come out it's when they right. come yeah. out yeah we're not Absolutely. looking to out any people I'm, it's that, just but I yeah am. but i there's yeah. always <laughs> like well there's always like the you know there's always that fucking like aaron shock person who's just like an evil fucking villain to the queer community and then when they get come out they're like celebrated because they have a six-pack abs and you just want to push them off the drawbridge you know what i'm saying yeah 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 there's a there's (laughs) like a double standard isn't it like it's like that is a good point where like if someone does something or comes out or they do something bad but they have a traditional adonis physique in the queer community it's more forgiven and that kind of is leaves a bad taste in your mouth and not in a good way because it's 
just like, <laughs> this is like, that's not fair. You know, it's like yeah. all of a sudden, if someone else, someone put like a, a, a meme or something where it was like someone asking you like, or saying, hey, that looks really good on you. It's flirting because it's a really good looking guy. And they change the picture and it's this guy who looks disheveled. He's a little bit like an average looking guy. Hey, that really looks good. Leave me alone. That's sexual harassment. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the idea. very much. <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very much like the same sentence was said from both parties but you take it one way because like ooh, flirty mcflirts a that lot happen- that happens in like rom-coms all the time it's like someone has their back and someone will be like hey blah 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 and they turn around and if the person is cute it's like love that's a meet cute it's a yeah. it's a love connection yeah but if the person is not traditional looking, all of a sudden it's like whoa hold your horses you know it's like uh it's so bad speaking exactly. of holding your horses <laughs> do you ever get you ever get uh chasers the gay chase, yeah, the big, I like get, the big uh, boys. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, it's just weird. I think um, we've had this conversation before. You I like think, opposite yeah. body types, right? I like all body types, and it th- I know that throws people off. Don't but try I, to get I, him. Don't try I to get him. him. <laughs> no, Not we had here. a conversation on how I do get approached by chasers a lot, but I always find a way to like think. Fe- you're out if it's like because it's a borderline fetish idea you know the yes. idea that someone's chasing you is uh for your looks alone it's like oh that's so cute but it's not cute if it's something that you sexualize and it's fetish you know because it's like oh so this is more of your thing of like i want to be able to connect with someone uh physically and mentally at whatever shape they're coming in you know what i mean yeah. so i've dated people who are tall and thin short and stout like i because i genuinely do like believe that i fall through that first layer. And then after that, it's like, this isn't a fetish. This isn't a fetish, it's a connection. But I do like snoop out the people who are completely into just like that, just chasing you because you're big, you know? And it's like, whoa. How do you, but how how do do you, you snoop, them snoop them out? Them out? I, I, I snoop them out because there's conversations that can be had. And it's like, once they start introducing like you, yeah, it's like, I love just like hanging out, you know, eating Twinkies and stuff. And it's like, okay. Ah, and it's like, feeder. cool. It's like, yeah. And it's like a feeder and you're like, whoa. It was like that's that's a flag, you know? or conversations that like when you start talking like oh so who did you used to date or how it's like oh yeah no it's always been I used to date girls and then I was like no I'm totally into like just big and it's like oh there's so you wanted titties either way no. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what? but the like, idea that it's like a fetish is um it's scary because there's a lot of guys out there who are big guys and they think that the love they deserve is the love that's presented to them and so there's a lot of relationships that are toxic and not healthy because there's a lot of guys who have low self-esteem and so i meet a lot of those guys and they're like oh man i always like you know the way you dress or something i wish i had that confidence i was like you do have the confidence you can get it out of you like get it out no my boyfriend wouldn't like that and it's like girl i'll ring the alarm yeah and it's like once those conversations happen it's because we are told by society that you don't if you're big you're not going to find love if you're big no one's going to desire you if you're big you're not sexual you know you're not going to be sexual you're not sexy and that needs to change and that can't change overnight it's like we're slowly changing it but people of size it's like you can't allow society to keep telling you your value by the size that you are we can't allow that I hate that the way that they now represent like plus size male models is still just like a beefier regular body type. Like, yeah, it's, it, I was like, where is the shirt that will cover my gut and 
like not be super baggy on my shoulders. I just need some bigger space down here. Yeah, like I literally, I remember, you know, I because I my my weights got like up and down like fluctuated all the time, and I used to be bigger, and I was working still. Like when I was doing the internship, I was like way bigger. I think it was my, my biggest, and then after I was like unhealthy, and it was like borderline diabetic, and it was like okay, you got it, girl, you got to cut it down in the sweets and blah blah, and change your lifestyle just so you can get to that like not <laughs> about to die <laughs> right. you know, line. And so not I was like, just to tone it down. Not about to die. I'm I don't care. I don't want to be paper thin i just don't want to die right tomorrow you know what i mean so I was just like bring it down a bit and so i brought it down and the second i did i got approached to be like a plus size model they're like how would you like to i was like oh did you guys just discover me no we've noticed you but now you could do plus now size. you're ready like, to model wow so i had only in this industry would you have to lose weight to be a plus size model that's so insane guy. insane insane you- but that's where we live in I this is my issue with chasers. They have more energy than I do when we have sex. I get tired too fast, and they're all like uh, in shape, six pack ab, whatever, and they want to run laps around the room. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of stamina. Roly poly all <laughs> over the place. I'm like, if you want the body, you got to sign up for the experience, which is a lot of resting. <laughs> A lot, a lot of, of resting, a between. lot of resting, a lot of sweating, <laughs> a lot of give me a second, a lot of let me take a little snooze in between this so I can recoup my full body energy. <laughs> a lot of shoot it, just shoot it on my face. I'll lay here. Yeah, don't don't try to be acrobatic with me. This mattress is comfortable. It's not. It's not a it's platform. A he, it's to, a helix. It's plus. a helix plus, honey. I sink into this mattress. I can't stand up and do do a handstand. Wrap my legs around whatever you want. Like take take a time to assess the reality of the situation. All um, right. Know well, the okay. audience. No. Know your audience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't Speaking. know me so well to like bring you know Popeyes over, but just know me well enough to not expect too much. Is it weird that I would be okay with that if like every time they came over? It was Popeyes. You know, the one way I track people <laughs> if they're in my inbox is that I'll just go through their, if it's on Twitter, I'll just go through their likes to see ah. what they've been liking. Or if it's on Instagram, I'll just go through and see who they follow. And so a lot of times I'm like, oh, they just follow a bunch of drag queens. So it's just like they're only here to talk to me about drag stuff. But if it's like they only follow a bunch of bears, I'm like, oh, you're here to try to suck on my D. That's strategic. I never thought about that. Mama, I love strategery. Wait. <laughs> that's very that's very good. All I like on Twitter is like disgusting porn. Yeah, people can see that. That's why people have side accounts. <laughs> that's why you've been getting all those DMs. <laughs> ah! <Whoop>. Okay. <laughs> But you know what's funny? When I first, honestly, when I when I first uh, met Dipper, like literally, I saw like a music video. Day. I was like, yes, because there was no one, no one doing, it. and still, no one as fat no as one, you were, were <laughs> doing anything. No one, no one doing what he's doing, and so I was like, oh my god, yes, like yes, whatever I need to do, I I want to support him. Like this is a message because you know, you were doing this like way before anyone else jumped on the wagon to do this. And it was yeah. just like, that needs to like, how do we amplify this voice? How do, whatever I need to do. I go like, I go watch, you know, Dipper perform. I go, that's what we met up at like bars and like, because I was like, whatever I need to do to amplify this voice, it's going to like, just help this community. Like this is the yeah. world. This is, we need wow. people like, and doing this. Doing do the you work. regret it now? I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I no, used to. Seriously. I used to go to Dipper's concerts, little shows too. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little skip. The way you 
You still look <laughs> way you, you're a little skinny. That delivery. That delivery. Was you're a little show. I, bu- I bought a tank top. I helped pay your rent for once. That I still is- got I still got Big Dipper stickers all over like my house. Like my sister got some. We like put them on. Yeah. I was like, yes. Amplify hey. that. Put it on thing. Yeah. Hey. I just this past week got contacted about doing a live show and i'm very excited it has been the last time i performed music was february 15th or yeah february 15th of 2020 in new york i played a show at rock bar and i haven't done anything since and it just feels crazy so i would be very excited to get back to it because i really miss putting on a show like that yes bitch yes Yes. bitch okay well (laughs) now you're oh what what I was going to move on to the next segment, but. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think we did. You, If you've been paying attention, Harvey's been very c- curvatory about all no, the I like, explicitly things. But can we make him listen to a voicemail? Yeah, we can do that. What voicemail? Well, our well, final because segment is called, it's called Fuck, Fuck Talk, Talk, where we make and... our guests tell us an uncomfortable sex story, but we don't want to do that to you because, we, you know, you have an audience. You seem like a professional. <laughs> Literally last week, I told a story about almost choking on a massive load of cum and <laughs> having to, like, pound it out of my chest like that. So I don't know that you want to go all the way there with us. Here we go. Hi, Meatball. Hi, Big Dipper. Um, I just wanted to call um, to tell you my fuck story. Um, I know that our collective tagline is, I stayed, but I wanted to tell you about the one time your girl said, hell no, and I left. Okay, I'm just oh. pausing for a second to catch you up, Harvey. We had an iconic voicemail call in, probably, I want to say six months ago. Yeah, maybe over a year ago. ago. We were like in the studio. Oh, yeah. It was this insane story about hooking up with a guy uh, like from Craigslist and at every turn, it just looked bad. But the guy, he just, every, the caller kept being like, well, well I stayed. I stayed. Because we've all had that hookup experience where you sort of like, you're like, it's this house, the one that like with the overgrown lawn and like the, the It says do not up. enter in the yeah. front. <laughs> and you go like, I guess I'm going to go get my dick sucked. And you still knock on the door. It's like you constantly make these bad decisions. You like walk in and all the doors are closed and the light is on at the end of the hallway. And you're <laughs> like, I should leave, but. I'm going to no. stay. But I guess no. I'll stay. So this caller proceeded to tell us that he found a samurai sword under the under the bed or something. And he was like, do you want to? Anyway, anyway. Anyways, that's the, he that's stayed. The thing. So, so we always say, I stayed. Uh, <laughs> so this is what she was referring to in the phone call. Let's continue. So I'm talking to this guy. He lures me over on the promise that he has a cinnamon roll for me. Yes, shut up. I'm a fat bitch. I don't care. So here I go for my cinnamon roll. <laughs> I get over there. He's completely high, completely drunk. I'm completely sober. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, so I'm like, oh, it's freshen up. So I'm going to go to the bathroom. So he points the way. I take off. Before I get to the bathroom, I look down the hall. There's like completely dark hall. And there's a child, like a four- or five-year-old child just standing there not saying anything just not moving completely still and i was like i'm not about to deal with that no so i just ran to the bathroom and i like sit on the toilet i got you know and i just look over to the right to the tub and there's spaghetti in the tub okay i mean okay sure not sure sure. no get Finish my business, 
and I stand up, and as I'm, like, adjusting my clothes and everything, trying to, you know, get cute again, I look over again to the bathtub, like, I know I didn't just see what I thought I just saw, and instead of glancing at spaghetti again, I am face-to-face with a fly trap, like, the big piece of mine of tape that just, like, hangs from the ceiling, and it is covered in flies, like, completely black. Mama gotta go. Hell no. This little white man stick is not going to be anywhere worth staying in this place and possibly catching who's know what kind of diseases. So <laughs> I left. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a good one. Bye. But did they get the cinnamon roll? Did she get the cinnamon roll on the way out? <laughs> Do you think he had spaghetti and then threw it up in the bathtub? So many questions for me right now. Like, I feel like, first of all, that would have been a no. Like, get out. Like, you know, like, what? No. And then also, is that child in danger? Like, it's like, why is that? Is why it a is ghost? There... Yeah, I was like, it's ghost Is it child. a ghost? Is that this house place is haunted? haunted? I would have wanted this conversation. He Like, they go back and say, hey, who was that kid? Kid, no one's lived here for <laughs> Oh, years. my God. <laughs> there hasn't been a child here in 32 yeah. years. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And the spaghetti. <laughs> and, like, also going back to the bathroom for the second time would she have found that it was not spaghetti and it was probably blood it was like a murder scene i don't know oh like my this God. sounds so weird also, I love that people she was choose like, to live there keep their home and in, in unique in ways but in here's disarray. also another thing i think just this is just a memo for anybody who's trying to hook up when the world opens up again at least tell the person that you've been drinking you don't have to say i'm wasted right now but at least say like Oh, and just so you know, I've had a couple drinks so that maybe they could meet you at a, at that level or something when they get there or choose not to go. But right. I think it's really messed up to invite someone. This is not even for hookups. This is for going out. This is for showing up at events. This if you're going to show up drunker than your friend, you got to let them know. Yes. Yeah. Catch up or know what level you're going to be at. Yeah. So like we're already here. You can, yeah. That sounds like a crazy already. I, am, I love that they were in the bathroom adjusting their clothes. Like, you know, trying to look cute. Cause this is girl, <laughs> I am proud that she left. That's all I got to say. Exactly. Good for her. Good for her mama. Well, listen, we've made it to the end of the show, Harvey. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so, so fun. Yeah. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me in Toronto. <laughs> Um, (laughs) social media you can find me on twitter and instagram just harvey gian my full name at harvey gian and uh you can watch uh what you can we watch do shadows, what we do in the shadows you can watch zoe's can extraordinary watch playlist zoe's. oh it's so good you can, yeah it's great uh you can watch uh zoe's on nbc or you can watch it on hulu and you can watch what we do in the shadows on hulu as well or fx if you have it look at that and do you have a do you have a go-to tap dance number uh, shuffle up to Buffalo, honey. Okay, mama. And now you do that to thoroughly modern Millie. Amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much. Meatball, you want to take us out? Yes, I will. Thanks so much for listening to Sloppy Seconds. You can follow us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod. You can send us an email to sloppysecondspod at gmail.com. Or oh, send us pod. spaghetti pictures. Send us pictures of your spaghetti <laughs> and meatballs. Everyone, throw your spaghetti and meatballs in the bathtub and send us a photo and we'll send you a free t-shirt. And then try to stomp it down the drain. Okay. Oh. <laughs> like call with your fuck talk story to 213-536-9180. You can follow us on Instagram at Big Dipper Jelly or Spiciest Meatball and I am Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode which will come out every Tuesday and Friday.
We did it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Do forever. Dog. To listen to Sloppy Seconds ad free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by Big Dipper and Meatball. Music, editing, and sound design by William Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.